everybody. Thanks for joining another episode of the Selling From Why podcast. I'm your host, Andrew James, and on today's episode, we're going to change gears for a little bit here, and we're going to take some questions from some listeners. I have been fortunate enough to get a few questions from some of my more avid fans who've asked some questions around process, around method, and around some of the day-to-day activities and interactions that they have as PEO salespeople within the industry. Again, I'm your host, Andrew James. This is the Selling From Why podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe and thanks again for joining. So one of the first questions I received from one of my listeners was, what is a good close ratio for a first meeting? And I think it's a great question. I also think it's a very difficult question to answer. It it does beg uh, the first question I, I, I would suggest, which is, are we sure that the meeting that we're about to conduct is with a decision maker. That plays a very, very vital and crucial role in our ability to move that first meeting to a proposal. The other question we have to ask ourselves is, assuming that we're meeting with the right person, is are, are we meeting with the right kind of company? Is the company the right size? Are they in the right location? Are they the correct appetite for the PEO that we represent? If we assume that both of those two measurements or metrics are are met, that this company is the right kind of fit for our PEO, and we are meeting with someone who has the capacity or the ability to make a decision, maybe not necessarily on the PEO, in other words, they don't necessarily need to be able to sign, but they are certainly someone who can make the decision of exploring the idea of a PEO, then I think that the the answer that you come to when you ask what's a good close ratio of your initial meetings is probably about 50 to 60%. Realistically, if we are approaching our initial meetings in the way that we need to, something that we're going to explore not only in this podcast, but you can certainly choose to explore it by reading my book, Selling From Why, but if we choose to employ the methodology and the sales process that we find in, in this teaching, what we understand is that the alignment that occurs between understanding the goals, the dreams, the visions, and the ambitions of an organization, and the ability of a PEO to help a business achieve those goals should be something that the majority of businesses agree to. In all honesty, when we're selling our first meeting, our initial meeting, we're not selling PEO, we're not selling ourselves, we're not selling the idea of human resources outsourcing, we're really not selling anything at all. The goal or the intent of a first meeting is the idea that we simply achieve an agreement to pursue more meetings, or the idea that there's enough interest from the prospect that we want to continue talking about it. And that takes a lot of weight off the shoulders of not only the salesperson, but also the prospect in this idea that this really is an interview. It's a lot like a first date. And assuming that our our visions or our goals align, which in the case of most small and mid-sized businesses, they will, then we can, chances are, pursue the opportunity. And I would say that, again, having met all of the initial metrics, the right type of company, and the right person to talk to within that company, the chance of you moving that opportunity forward should be about 50 to 75%, 70 or 75%. What I think is interesting to point out in this scenario or this question is, what can potentially cause the initial meeting to fail? 
And I've lumped that, that potential failure into one of two categories, belief or time. In our initial meetings that we conduct with our prospect, we need to ensure that we meet both of those two requirements or principles. They need to believe what we believe, and they need to be at the right time in order to continue through the process. What I mean by, mean by believe what we believe is that we need to be speaking to a business owner or a decision maker within an organization that, that believes in the ideas that are inherent within PEO. The idea that success of their organization comes from their ability to focus on their core competencies and anything that isn't revenue generating or isn't specifically within the nature of the business is something that they shouldn't be worrying about. And at the same time, they need to be at the right time of their business. In other words, they can't be in the middle of open enrollment. They can't have just begun implementation of a new POS system or a new technology within their company that's eating up the necessary resources that they would need, especially time, in order to conduct the analysis of verifying whether or not a PEO is the right fit. So it's a very, very long-winded answer, and I think it's a, it's a very hard one to answer appropriately because I don't necessarily believe that there's always a, a definite answer there. But again, I would say that if you're meeting all of, the, all of the specific appetite requirements and meeting with the right person, you're following the correct sales methodology, you're aligning the value of the PEO with the values, goals, dreams, and ambitions of the prospect, I believe that your opportunity to win to move the prospect into the sales process should be between 50 and 70%, potentially higher depending on the experience of the salesperson. The next question I received it was actually a two-part question beginning with the last one around sales ratio is how long does the sales process take? And again, this listener has some, some great questions. That is a challenging question to answer accurately. Uh, the sales process realistically needs to take as long as it needs to take. Uh, there's a lot of internal and external processes, steps, and things that need to occur in order for the salesperson to arrive at the doorstep of the prospect with a, a truly polished presentation um, that's not cookie cutter, one that really does answer the big question that we've been posing through this process, which is exactly what is it we're going to do for you as a business. So the best way I can answer this question really is to look at some of the statistics around PEO sales process and what deviations from the standard sales process timeline look like. And this is something that I have written extensively about and covers almost an entire chapter in my book. But the idea is something called sales velocity, or in other words, how aggressively or how quickly does a prospect move through the sales process. And that sales velocity accounts for the IM, or initial meeting, through to proposal. What we find when we look at the statistics or the data around IM to P ratios is that the average sales timeline in the PEO industry is around 45 days. That's a pretty hefty timeline. And I'm sure that there is gonna be some listeners out there, especially if they are somewhat new, who might say there's no way. There's absolutely no way that a sales process could take 45 days. I run my sales processes in much shorter timelines than that. And I think that it brings up a good point 
that data is statistically relevant but does not take into account the outliers. Typically speaking, in, in a large group of sales opportunities, you will have a lot of sales opportunities that run from the 30 to 45 day mark, but you will also find that there are a few outliers that pull that average or skew that average to the longer scale because there'll be 60, 90, 120 day opportunities. Very rarely do we find opportunities that help to shorten that average, opportunities that might run 15 or 20 days. But what we learn by looking at the statistical average of the 45 day rule, uh, the sales velocity rule, is that the, the deviations to the fewer days or greater number of days of the sales process have a pretty dramatic impact to our opportunity and our ability to win the business. At 45 days, the average salesperson closes between 13 and 16% of their opportunities. And what you'll find is that that statistical average falls pretty close in line to what your top performers in any PEO sales organization are closing from FM or IM to P. What you have is a lead up time and obviously an extension time. Opportunities that are brought to proposal in less than 30 days, fewer than 30 days, on a statistical average, close at a ratio of between 35 and 40%. That is a huge jump, huge. And I think it speaks volumes to the idea of sales velocity. Conversely, if you look on the other end of the spectrum and you look at opportunities that exceed the 90 day timeline, they close at between three and 6%. So what that means is, your ability to move an opportunity through a process, through a sales process, is one that is of incredible vital importance in your hope to win the business. The idea and the principles within my book really discuss this concept of engagement or aligning the idea of why a PEO exists with why a business owner exists, why, why they're doing business and why we're doing business. Through that idea of engagement or alignment, we create interest, excitement, we create the energy that's necessary for us to move through the sales process at a higher pace. What we often find in the, the PEO world is that a salesperson will conduct an initial meeting and they will spend the next 20, 30, 40 days looking for documents, requesting documents, arguing internally with their, their underwriters, with their healthcare approval departments, with their pricing teams, whoever it might be, there's that internal sales process that's going on at the same time as the external sales process. The problem is that most salespeople in the PEO industry, especially if they're newer in their first couple of years, have a hard time combining those two processes such that it is to the benefit of the prospect. And that's something, again, that's also explored in my book, the idea of the collaborative sales approach that allows us to take advantage of the timeline that we have through our internal sales process and we use that necessary timeline, internal timeline, to maximize our external sales process. In other words, if I know that it is going to take me two weeks to get all of my ducks in a row, to get my healthcare approved, to get my benefits approved, to get my workers' compensation and risk approved, to get all my pricing approved, to get my documents rounded up, to create a customized proposal and presentation that the business owner is gonna love. If I know it's going to take me those two weeks, 
internally to get that job done, what do I do with that two weeks externally to the prospect? And that's something that, especially for the younger or the newer salespeople, they don't know what to do with that time. And so it becomes this inadvertent game of cat and mouse or, or tug of war where the salesperson uses that time really just to become very, very cumbersome and onerous on the prospect, constantly asking for more information, for more documents, while delivering little value to the prospect. Again, something that's explored in the book and something that we will certainly spend some time on in later podcasts is the idea of the sales process and aligning that sales process to our sales methodology of why, following how, following what. But to answer the question that I think that the reader asked or the listener asked, what is the timeline, the best possible timeline for a sales process? I think the answer is if you can get it done in under 30 days, You are in great shape, but make sure that you use that time wisely. We received another question, and this one I think is a little bit easier to answer than the first two that we had. And the question was, Andy, what happens if I forget a critical part of the sales process, especially early on? What happens if I miss something? and then I find myself approaching the proposal or getting towards the end of my sales process and I realize I don't have all of the information. Great question from a great listener. It's it's an easy question to answer, but it's also a very hard question to answer because it doesn't necessarily deal with the sales process even though it, it might pretend to deal with the sales process. It actually deals with more of a psychological or philosophical concern which is the salesperson realizes that they have not done their job to the best of their ability. They have spent the last 15, 20 days interviewing the prospect, learning more about them, involving different people, and they now realize that they're getting to that point where the prospect is at their end, ready to get an answer, ready to see numbers, ready to to really understand what this whole thing has been all about, and you realize, I don't have the answer because I missed a step. And that's a hard thing for a salesperson to to really understand because it means that we did something wrong, right? That's it. The, the, the best explanation is I've done something wrong. I have a, a very well-known to my, my sales team tenant or, or, or I guess mantra that I live by, which is if you feel it, you say it. And I think that there's no better answer to this question than to adhere to that rule. If you feel it, you say it. The, the buyer or the decision maker in a PEO sales process, often the business owner, they are smart people. They know that you're a salesperson. They know that you're a human. And realistically, we need to set ourselves above and apart from the concepts of the salesperson. And we need to really endear ourselves to that business owner or decision maker as we go through the process. Nothing says you can trust me like admitting you made a mistake. When we admit that we make a mistake, when we say, hey, Mr. or Mrs. Business Owner, I screwed up, I missed this opportunity to talk to you about something, you get their ownership. You get them breaking down a little bit of that barrier. And in most of the cases, if not all of the cases where I've seen something like this occur, the response that I get from from the owner or the decision maker 
is a great one. It's almost a sense of relief. This is someone who I can trust. And generally speaking, they're very, very happy to help answer that question for you. They're happy to get a piece of information for you. They're happy to clarify, whatever the case may be. They are happy to help support you because you have just essentially thrown yourself at their mercy. You've admitted the, the fact that you've made a mistake or you've missed something. And, and they see that you're doing it for the point of being of value to them. I can't present this information to you accurately unless I get this information and I've screwed up because I didn't do it. That's the most powerful way that you can approach that. So it's an easy answer, but it's probably a hard one in action. Admit you've made the mistake and move forward from there. Now, there is a situation where this can be a little bit different. And that's the idea that you get to a proposal. You've got a proposal schedule for tomorrow afternoon. You're sitting down to, to really make sure that your, your presentation looks right. And you realize, I don't have a certain key element. I don't really understand the goals of this business. I am finally getting to meet the business owner who I've never met. I've been going through this process with the director of HR, the CFO, and now the business owner is going to be sitting in there. And I'm missing key pieces of information that I need in order to have a really relevant conversation during my presentation tomorrow. What do you do? It's the same answer, it's just done a little bit differently. In a situation like this, you have to admit that you're approaching the sale from a position of a limited amount of information or a limited knowledge. Some of the most powerful presentations I've seen, some of the most powerful proposals I've seen have put a big slide right after their introduction. Hi, I'm your salesperson. I'm here to spend some time talking about this, this exciting idea of PEO that we've been toying around with for the last three weeks. I've got all the information. I've got all your numbers. I've got everything ready, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. And then they go to the next slide, and it's a giant question mark. And I think that this is its such an interesting thing to see in the eyes of the people sitting across the, the, the desk from you when, when this happens. And you look them in the eyes and you say, I have no idea why I'm here. I know that we as a PEO are incredibly successful. We represent thousands of companies, potentially hundreds of thousands of employees across the United States. And I know that everything that I do for my prospects is different for every one of my prospects. So rather than me sitting here for the next hour and a half, poking around on all the different things that we do as a PEO, looking for some desperate answer where I can say, hey, that's something you're really gonna need. I've gotta just ask you, why am I here? What are you looking to accomplish? What are you hoping that this will achieve? And that really turns the conversation back into that initial meeting in a lot of ways, only you're almost doing it from a sense of having built up some trust, having built up some value through the sales process if, you'd, if you've adhered to it properly. And suddenly you're again admitting to the business owner, the, the decision makers, I don't know the answer to this and I'm hoping you do. I can't do my job of helping you, of being a benefit to you, of being a potential value and solution to you if I don't know this answer, so let's uncover it. And maybe they don't know the answer, but between the two of you, you should be able to get to it. So again, the best way to approach the idea that you've missed a crucial step or you've made a mistake early on is just like anything you should do in life. Admit you've made a mistake 
and ask for their help to fix it. Our last question for today was from a listener who asked, what is the best ecosystem or what are the two best ecosystems for a PEO salesperson to take advantage of in their efforts or their goals to be successful? And I think that this is another one of those questions where there's not a definite answer. Or there maybe is, but I don't think the answer is quite in line with what the person is asking. The listener asked, what are the two best ecosystems? And I think what they're asking is, are they lawyers? Are they accountants? Are they healthcare uh, brokers? Are they workers' compensation brokers? Are they retirement planning individuals? Are they business trainers and developers? And to answer that question, I don't think any of those things matter. In fact, some of the best ecosystem partnerships I have ever seen or ever been able to be a part of were people in industries that had absolutely no alignment with the PEO industry. Now, that being said, I've also had some ecosystem partners that were completely in alignment with the, the way that a PEO program works. But what I think makes a difference in the value of an ecosystem doesn't come from what a person does, but begins to get value in how they do it, but again, most importantly, as you would have probably guessed, why they do what they do. Why is that person in business? Are we working with or attempting to work with an ecosystem partner who believes what we believe? Do they believe in benefiting their clients? Are they working on a, a sale or do they have a, a process that seems similar to our own? In other words, a goal of understanding or coming to a better understanding of their, their clients or their prospects. One of the most important and I think crucial things that needs to occur when you are developing an ecosystem is that you also must align with that person's values and beliefs as much as your own. And for me, and for most of, if not all, of the sales team that I, I have worked with, the most crucial element of being able to partner with anybody in an ecosystem is the idea that that partnership must lead to the benefit of the prospect. If you are seeking to partner with a person, an organization, an individual, anything, because you are looking for it selfishly, you are looking for leads, you're looking for them to give you opportunities, you're looking for them to solve a problem for you, then you're entering the idea of the ecosystem and the partnership for the wrong reasons. The benefit of your relationship with an ecosystem partner needs to be for the benefit of a prospect. In the beginning of 2018 this year, I sat down with one of my top salespeople who had statistically been struggling with ecosystem development. The majority of her opportunities were self-generated. They were generated through internal partnerships within the company or they were generated by simply going out and knocking on doors. But she was struggling because that wasn't the easiest way to go about this. And after a couple of years of being in the industry, she was looking for a little bit of an easier solution. And that's where the ecosystem partnership comes in. And what we did was we took a look at not who she was partnering with or what those individuals did, but we looked at why she was partnering with those companies. 
And the truth was she was looking to partner with those companies for some of the wrong reasons. She wanted those partnerships to make her life easier. And instead, we transitioned her method and her approach to ecosystem development from the idea that she needed a way to help her clients improve, her prospects improve and be better in business. As a PEO, we cover countless different aspects of an employment model, countless different aspects of a business model, but that doesn't mean there aren't holes. And what we did was we examined when she was having conversations with her prospects when she was in the initial meeting or in her analysis with those businesses, what were some of the conversations that her prospects were bringing up that our business model was unable to support? Were they different types of insurances? Were they different business solutions? Were they training programs that our PEO didn't cover? What were some of those questions that she was getting asked? And we highlighted the top five business needs that she was hearing about during her conversations and her meetings that our PEO was unable to support. And then we sent her out into the marketplace and we looked for five partners that covered those five questions. And that was something that was a little bit interesting because her value proposition to those partnerships, to those ecosystem developments changed from what's in it for me or, hey, let's do some business together. We can really make some money to something that was a little bit different. And she was able to approach the ecosystem development, those lunches, those meetings, those conversations with when I'm talking to my clients and my prospects, I get a lot of questions around what you do for your business. Can you tell me a little bit more about how you would help in those situations. How could you help my prospects when I'm hearing these questions? And because of that, she was able to develop some very, very strong relationships. And all of a sudden, she was getting a lot of phone calls. A lot of her prospects from the ecosystem were calling her back. Let's meet again. I want to know more about what you're doing. I want to see if I can help you too. It's the idea of making some deposits in your ecosystem, making those, those relationship deposits before you're asking for a withdrawal. And the other thing that we changed in her model or her approach to ecosystem development was the idea that an ecosystem is going to feel a lot like work unless you're able to really build a relationship with the person who you're trying to partner with. We as humans, not just salespeople or business people, but as humans tend to want to spend time with people that we like. And what I see a lot of especially newer or, or even, some, even a fair amount of more tenured salespeople do is they focus on trying to create an ecosystem with a number of people that they just don't get along with. Your ecosystem partner should be someone that you're okay grabbing a drink after work, having a happy hour with, going golfing with, going to a sporting event with. If you ask yourself, would I spend an hour or two on the weekend with this person? And the answer is no then chances are they're not a good partner for you. Because if you don't want to see them, if you don't want to spend time with them, it's like anything else in life. You won't do it. And guess what? They won't do it for you either. We are much more likely to think of our friends, think of the people we like, when we encounter opportunities or when a, an opportunity presents itself where we can say, I know someone who does that, and dang it, I like that person so much, I am more than happy to make that referral for you. Once you establish that, that basic level of, of friendship with that person, it makes it very easy to trust them, to know and understand their business, and to spend the necessary time to really develop an ecosystem with them. 
So my answer to that question, what are the uh, one or two best ecosystem partners, is it really can be anybody. But make sure you're approaching your partnership for the value of your prospects, not for yourself. You will get a lot more from your ecosystem partners if they believe that you are in it for the benefit of their prospects as well as your own, and ensure above all else that it's someone you enjoy spending some time with. Well, I think that's all the time we have for questions today. I want to thank all of you for listening in on this week's podcast. Next week, we are back to our regular program where we're going to begin to spend a little bit more time getting into the process and method behind our selling from why concept. And again, if you want to get even deeper into the method and the process that I've attempted to create over these last 10 years, you can find the book Selling From Why on Amazon as well as on Kindle. It is up for sale. Go out, grab yourself a copy. And again, thanks for listening. Take care and happy selling.